to be continuing this morning for those of you who are visiting we are studying a series of lessons uh, from the word of God concerning God's house and uh, we launched off our introductory uh, session last week and um, as I said uh, don't let the title throw you if that doesn't sound very exciting why it has nothing to do with the subject matter because any study of the word of God is exciting but this is a very rich study and it's going to be very beneficial to us as time goes on we uh, took some time last week to lay some groundwork concerning the uh, the study of God's house and I wonder just by way of review if someone could uh, just give us a little understanding maybe some input to lock our minds back in where we were last week on why it's important or why does it help us uh, as Bible students to study this why should why why should we be studying this and uh, we laid a little groundwork in the beginning last week why should we be studying this had to do with some terms uh, Lyle okay, we have nothing in our culture that can uh, that can cause our minds to lock into the biblical term house or house of God or, or uh, uh, steward we know nothing we have nothing in our society we know nothing about servants or slaves we just simply uh, these are terms that are not common to our society and so when we read the Word of God it does not naturally lock into our thinking when we talk about house immediately <coughs> you and I have a picture in our minds and that's what house means amen and if I was to say house uh, you lock that in your mind immediately you lock into where you live whatever shape that takes it may have a flat roof or adobe or whatever it may be but that's where your mind locks in okay then we discovered that uh, these beautiful uh, Bible pictures began to flow out of something that was very specific that uh, the New Testament uh, writers and the New Testament uh, church would have readily recognized and what was that there's something that's very particular that we started moving out from and so uh, what was that a particular uh, truth that that has re a relationship to what uh, we've just said uh, Bill Bancroft okay that's a facet of what I'm really after and what is that it's uh, that's a fact that's true but it isn't really the the true picture or the total the whole picture uh, did you have your hand up John Okay, the early church had a social structure that naturally uh, uh, caused their minds to understand and they saw the kingdom of God as a spiritual portrayal of which uh, their social pattern was an apt illustration and so they began to speak in biblical terms and bring revelation built upon that, uh, that revelation of a rich or a uh of a large wealthy uh householder this is this was common to their society they understood that it was a uh, it was a picture that came right into their mind and they interpreted the kingdom of god or proclaimed the kingdom of god in that natural setting that moved out of that relationship which is a common social structure or social pattern of their day i need two scriptures to lay groundwork again over here i want first timothy three fifteen. would somebody like to get that for us quickly uh, Jim and somebody get for me Hebrews 3 1 through 6 over on this side 
uh, Dave Burke. Okay, we have five words now that we uh, that we moved out of. Well, not the Greek words. I don't want. But what are the five English words that move out of that social pattern? Can someone uh, remind us of those? Five words. Uh, Dave Schaefer. House. Okay. The house holds. Okay, which is the people or the family that was in that church, or the sla- or the people that were that were uh, a part of that, or the family would be natural. Okay, a householder uh, who was the uh, uh, despotes or the man who's in charge, right? Okay, he's the man that owned it all, and 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 this is the he's the master or the root of the house. Okay. The servant or the household servant that was in that household and the keeper, the manager, or the steward. Those are the five words that we're moving out of that give us rich meaning, and we laid that groundwork last week. All right, let's go back to our scriptures that we read before we move out uh, this morning. First Timothy 3.15. The house of God is the church of the living God, okay? Then uh, Hebrews 3, 1 through 6, a uh, rich passage that we'll be referring back and forth to. Okay, here's a rich passage that we'll be referring back and forth to, and it will begin to take on uh, added meaning as we go on in the study. We'll be coming back. Turn with me to 2 Samuel uh, chapter 7. If you'd like to, we want to uh, touch your minds with a fantastic prophecy in the Old Testament, 2 Samuel chapter 7. I want someone over here to get for me 2 Samuel chapter 5, if they'd like to get a couple of verses. Bill uh, Kimball, if you'll find 2 Samuel 5, verses 10 through 12. But I want the rest of us to get 2 Samuel 7, <coughs> 1 through 29. All right, we're going to touch base now to bring us some understanding and to lay some groundwork for some other uh, facets of the uh, of the truth of God's house. <clears throat> we want to go back, flashback, to a fantastic prophecy that begins to bring a shift in concept. Okay. <clears throat> now, those of you who are Bible students, remember that out of the uh, relationship God delivers the children of Israel out of Egypt, <clears throat> then we come into, for the first time, we meet the tabernacle concept. This is a place that has certain furniture, has uh, the, uh, the uh, altar, the brazen altar, has the brazen laver, has the uh, holy place, the uh, table of showbread, the candlestick, the golden uh, altar of incense, uh, has the curtain, and then the holy of holies, the ark of, Coven- of the covenant. And God took up his abode, came down visibly by the Shekinah glory, And in a moment in history, as God's people, as he dwelt among them, he took up his residence and tabernacles among God's people. And so uh, our minds are locked into this, a a dwelling place or a place where God uh, took up his residence and dwelt among men. We have this background, and uh, that is there. All right, here in this prophecy that we're about to consider, there begins to be a shift of concept and a revelation begins to come forth uh, that begins to shift this revelation and begins to move in prophecy to another concept that God is moving as a revelation of himself 
in the plan of redemption, and we want to touch base with that. Second Samuel chapter 5, verses 10 through 12, if Bill will read those verses for us. Okay, now let's look at uh, 2 Samuel 7, and we want to take this entire chapter because it has great bearing on the subject about which uh, we're studying. came to pass when the king sat in his house. Now, this is the house that we just talked about. And the Lord had given him rest round about from all of his enemies, that the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See, now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. came to pass that night that the word of the Lord came unto Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, thus saith the Lord, Shalt thou build me an house for me to dwell in? Whereas I have not dwelt in any house since the time I brought up the children of Israel out of Egypt even to this day, but have walked in a tent and in a tabernacle. And in all the places in which I have dwell, I walked with all the children of Israel, spoke I a word with any of the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to feed my people Israel, saying, Why build ye not me an house of cedar? Now therefore, so shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheep coat, from following the sheep, to be a ruler over my people, over Israel. I went was with thee whither, whither, wherever thou wentest, and have cut off all thine enemies out of thy sight, and have made thee a great name, like unto the name of the great men who are in the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more, neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them any more as formerly. And as since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, and have caused thee to rest from all thine enemies, also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee an house. Underline that in your scripture. It is a key word, not only in what is happening, but also in Bible revelation. When thy days be fulfilled, thou shalt sleep for thy fathers. I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thine own body, and I'll establish his kingdom. He shall build an house for my name, and I'll establish the throne of his kingdom uh, forever. Uh, I will be his father. He shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart away from him uh, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before thee. And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Now look at that. Thy house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. According to all these words and according to all this vision, so did Nathan speak unto David. Then went King David in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am, <coughs> excuse me. Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that thou hast brought me thus far? Now you'll notice an interchanging between building and concepts in all this passage of Scripture, and so follow through that. Verse 19. And this was yet a small thing in thy sight, O Lord God, but thou hast spoken also of thy servant's house for a great while to come. And is this the manner of man, O Lord God? And what can David say more unto thee? For thou, O Lord God, knowest thy servant. For thy word's sake, and according to thine own heart, thou hast, hast thou done all these things to make thy servant know them. Wherefore, thou art great, O Lord God, for there is none like thee, neither is there any God beside thee, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And what nation in the earth is like thy people, even like Israel, whom God went to redeem for a people to himself, and to make a name, and to do for you great things, and awe-inspiring for thy land before thy people, which thou redeemest to thee from Egypt, from the nations and their gods? 
For thou hast confirmed to thyself thy people Israel to be a people unto thee forever. And thou, Lord, art become their God. And now, O Lord God, the word that thou hast spoken concerning thy servant and concerning his house, establish it forever and do as thou hast said. And let thy name be magnified forever, saying, The Lord God of hosts is uh, the God over Israel, and let the house of thy servant David be established before thee. For thou, O Lord God of hosts, God of Israel, hast revealed to thy servant, saying, I will build thee an house. Therefore has thy servant found his heart to pray this prayer unto thee. And now, O Lord God, thou uh, art that God, and thy words are true, and thou hast promised this goodness unto thy servant. Therefore, now let it please thee to bless the house of thy servant, that it may continue forever before thee. For thou, O Lord God, hast spoken it, and with thy blessing let the house of thy servant be blessed forever. Now, we're talking about a new kind of house. We're talking about a house, we keep moving back and forth from the physical to the prophetic. And God moves from the physical to the concept of something that is larger and that moves in line with the groundwork that we laid before. So now we begin to move now from a prophetic base, and let's move into the, into the prophets and into the New Testament. And I'd like Amos 9, 12, and 13, somebody over on this side. Uh, Denny, and I'd like uh, Jeremiah 23, 5, 6, somebody over here. Uh, Ron, I'd like Acts 15, 13 through 18, somebody in here, loud, clear voice. Sam Atkinson, okay? We want to move then on this prophetic base into an understanding of a new kind of house that begins to unfold. And remember, as we read these, both David's house and God's house began to move into an eternal concept. We picked that up. That it has far more reaching consequences than merely the present circumstances. begins to move in prophecy for something God's going to do, and it has eternal consequences. Okay, uh, uh, Amos 9, 12 and 13. Okay, this has a relationship, if you look at it in concept, also with David's house. Okay, let's have uh, Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6. Okay, here we begin to, uh, to catch that again in Acts 15, 13 through 16 as we see this move into the New Testament. Okay, I, I, I started, I left one, who read that? Uh, Denny was 11 is what I intended, and I'm sorry I gave you, uh, that should have been read in context. Uh, Amos 9, In that day I'll raise up the tabernacle of David that has fallen, and close up the branches of it, and I will raise up his ruins, and I'll build it in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Eden. And uh, this has to do with a, with a prophecy that, uh, uh, that we've touched on, uh, the plowman overtaking the reaper, the reaping, or the tremendous flow of reaping into the kingdom of God. We moved into Jeremiah. We found out the same thing had to do uh, in the prophecies of Jeremiah. We move into the book of Acts. We find out this has to do with the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and the tremendous success that they have just had reaching the Gentiles of the nation. They've just come with a great report of how God has touched the Gentile. There's been miracles of healing. The Lord is beginning to move, and, and they're astounded at what God is doing, and they tie this concept 
back into this prophecy that we've just taken the time and move it into what God's doing in Jesus Christ in the earth in the plan of redemption. So let's make a note there if we can. Here we're talking about great grace. This grace is embracing and gathering into God's family the Gentiles or the nations of the world. This, is, this moves from the house of David. Remember, we go back where it was. David wants a house. God said, I'm going to build you a house. Moves on into and has its expression and its concept in our Lord Jesus Christ and the plan of redemption and his salvation as it is expressed in the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Did you see that as we move through that? Okay. Now let's have a couple of other scriptures and, uh, and uh, before uh, we lock down our thoughts. I want 2 Timothy 2.8, somebody over on this side. Uh, Ron Dan- Gandolfo, 2 Timothy 2.8. I want Romans 1.3, somebody in this section. Uh, Dwayne, Romans 1.3. I'd like Revelation 3.7, somebody in this section. Brother uh, Van Dyke. Revelation 5, 5, someone else in this section, the Sister uh, Kathy, Revelation 5, 5, and Revelation 22, 16, somebody over here, anybody? Uh, Sister uh, Atkinson, uh, if we could get this. Okay, this springs from then and finds its expression in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and the redemption of that our Lord and Savior is working in the nations of the earth and the plan of God that is being fulfilled. And so this ties in to God's house. Remember, we started out talking about God's house. And so we quickly saw that this has something to do. God says, uh, David, I don't want you to build me a house. But he said, I'm going to build you a house. And then he begins to move. And so we, be, we begin to see that not only is this God's house, David's house is God's house, and it moves into and finds concept in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is David's son. 2 Timothy 2.8. Jesus Christ is said to be of the seed of David. Why is that important? Why didn't they say the seed of, uh, of uh, uh, Rahab or the seed of uh, somebody? Okay. Okay. Romans 1, 3. Romans 1, 3, concerning Jesus Christ our Lord who was made of the seed of David. Are you getting some understanding now? Why, you, why didn't you say the seed of Abraham? Why not the seed of, uh, of uh, Isaac? Why not the seed of uh, uh, Jacob? Because this roots in a tremendous prophetic base that has to do with the house of God. This is going to unfold four more for us as we go along. Revelation 3, 7. He that has the key of David. All right, remember in our study of the stewards, we learned something about keys. What did we learn? Joe Calloway, that the steward who was given the oversight of the household had a key to the stores or all the things that uh, was to be kept uh, under uh, control in that house. Isn't that correct? 
We discovered that last week. Right, suddenly, then this passage of Scripture that we've just read through and says the keys of the house of David. What is this? Suddenly we're beginning to get some understanding concerning what the significance of that is, aren't we? Okay? Uh, Revelation 5.5. 5. Here we find the illusion again, the root of David. Let's move into Revelation 22.16. I am the root and the offspring of David. Okay. We want several scriptures now. Let's, we want to tie this down before we leave this thought. Hebrews 3, 6. I want somebody to turn back to that for me, Brother Van Dyke. In this same section, 1 Peter 2, 5. Um, Gail, uh, Jim Merck, would you get for me 1 Peter 4, 17? I'd like somebody over here, 1 Timothy 3, 15. Uh, Dan Atherton. All right. Now, as this unfolds, we're beginning to see that uh, this is God's house. This springs out of the prophecy of David that God's going to build him a house, and this is going to root to God's house. And then we find that this uh, finds expression in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we find uh, as we move back in, and uh, flash back now to our beginning scripture, uh, uh, Hebrews 3, that as this unfolds, God's house then is... The Christian congregation or the church, the ecclesia, the Greek word, or the assembly. All right, let's get these scriptures and then we're going to lock it down to your thought. Hebrews 3, 6. All right, but Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we if we hold firm uh, the confidence of our hope unto the end. First Peter 2, 5. Okay, this has other connotations that we'll begin to talk about later. This is a spiritual house. God's uh, Christian congregation isn't just uh, a, a physical group of people, but they, it is a spiritual entity, and their purpose is a spiritual house. And those, uh, and those things and purposes we'll be touching on later, but uh, this is what it is according to 1 Peter 2, 5. 1 Peter 4, 17. Judgment begins at the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It must be. We must have in the church, there has to be judgment, and if it begins in us, then where do the sinner and the ungodly appear? And that's another thought, but it's at this point, God's house, God will judge his house. He has left the responsibility in the church that it is to judge itself. See, we live in an age when discipline is not popular at all. But God's church has to be disciplined. See, we don't like that. How many of you ever got a whipping that you liked? Let me see your hand. Well, isn't that strange? I thought you would just have been shouting about it. Amen. See, we as human beings, we, don't like, we, don't, we just really don't like discipline. But if God's house is to be God's house, then it must be judged. And that responsibility lies with those who have oversight in God's house. They must judge the house of God. And if they do not judge it, then God is greatly limited in what he's doing because judgment is to begin at the house of God. Okay, then we're talking about the place, then, where God's kingdom and God's government begins. The place where God expresses himself on earth. 
We're talking about the place where God's name is placed and gives expression to him. We're talking then about the house of God, and that house of God is God's Christian congregation. Jesus Christ, him, him, uh, Jesus Christ as the Lord came as the Son over his own house, whose house are we. Let's just stop for a moment there, and maybe our minds are going all different kind of directions. Let's see where we are. Okay. Anybody have a question? I'm, st I'm, uh, I'm st suddenly scriptures are beginning to lock in that I've preached on various facets, but are beginning to have tremendous understanding for me as we've done this study. It's been a beautiful unfolding because some of those scriptures I pass over and, and even have quoted and used, but uh, suddenly they take on new meaning as we begin to understand them in light of God's house. And I really don't know. I can't answer that, uh, Jeff. I can't know more than I can answer why Abraham was... Uh, was uh, chosen out of the earth of the Chaldees, and God said, uh, I just really don't know. It uh, lies somewhere in the, in the sovereignty and the election of God. Uh, there was another hand. Sam? Yes. Yes. See, we've moved from the, this concept on down through and uh, the, that God manifests himself in the assembly. His primary manifestation, he has chosen to place his name in the church. The church, as we've understood, and we well know has nothing to do with any religious organization or denomination. The church is not peculiarly four-square Baptist or anything else. The church is those uh, blood-bought believers who are born of God's Spirit, filled with God's Spirit, and the place where uh, God has expression and simply... Correct doctrine does not make that so. We, when we did a study of the house of God, we found out that, uh, that uh, simply being in a, in a denomination with correct doctrine didn't make that so. But the, the actuality of that and us as individuals is what makes us the assembly, uh, the church of Jesus Christ. Dwayne. You what? Your notes are Greek, Okay. Now, technically, the church, uh, the church has to do with assembling. And we are not the church acting independently. We're a church in relationship. And uh, a study of the, of the church, uh, we, we brought that out uh, before, that when you and I say, I'm the church, and we, and we independently move on our own, we flip from here to there, we, uh, we act independently of any relationship with anybody, uh, we violate the entire concept of the steward. And we'll get into that, that the stewardship concept teaches us that we, we, that we are, we have responsibility that we cannot operate independently by ourselves. And many a man uh, has, in rebellion or in wrong concept, uh, felt that, he, that it's just Jesus and me. There's an unfortunate song was written a number of years ago, Just Jesus and Me. It is never just Jesus and me. And the longer that I live for the Lord, the more profound becomes relationship with his body. I don't want to get sidetracked unless we really are. I don't want to get tripped off on, on anything because we're not through with the study that we have. And so if it's not relevant, don't ask it. But if it's really something relevant, relevant ask it. Barb? Oh, no. David did not understand what the Lord was saying. He, he, when, when Nathan said this, he went in and sat before the Lord, and, he, and he's, he's astounded. He's, he's flabbergasted. He said, Lord, you've spoken of Maya for a great while to come. No, he did not understand. Just like when you and I first got saved, we did not understand 
that in, in 1980, January 25th, we'd be sitting in this building uh, enjoying the wonderful things that we know about God today. But that didn't mean we couldn't get saved and enjoy the blessings we received. So I still remember when you guys got saved. You enjoyed it immensely. Amen? But uh, you, you had no idea that one day we'd all be here doing this. Uh, Sister Schultz. If this is the reason, we never think anything before God has been moving ahead of us a long way. <laughs> uh, in the fullness of time, time, you see, God, who is the Alpha and the Omega, the omniscient, uh, uh, the beginning and the end, he's had all this figured out before we ever uh, were conceived, uh, put in the heart of David and moved through this. And so you're talking about uh, something God did in the, in the sovereignty of time. It's a far greater concept than David getting this idea. I think, you know, I think I, I need to build God a house. And then God said, oh, wonderful. This is a glorious opportunity to, you know, God had this in mind all along. See, we, uh, here's David. Uh, I'm, time passed me by probably uh, 2,000 years, maybe uh, time is off, before the birth of Christ. And, and, and the Lord is talking about the birth of Jesus as has to do with his house. So it's far more than that, uh, Juanita. Okay, let's don't get bogged on this uh, because there's some other things that I want to touch on that give us some understanding and then perhaps we'll have time we get through. We want to uh, come to an understanding that this is rooted in the family structure. Well, I don't know where that chalk came from, but it needs to be taken back. That's all. <laughs> This is rooted in the family structure. I need several scriptures. If I get Philemon 2, Philemon 2. Bill Kimball, I want Acts 11, 14. Uh, Steve Damarovsky, Acts 11:14. Ron Gandolfo, would you get for me Acts 16, 15? And Denny, would you get for me Acts 16, 31 through 34? I need somebody here to get me Acts 18, 8. Uh, Brother Van Dyke, Acts 18, verse 8. The first Christian congregations were built upon the family. Now, it'll, be, it'll really be an asset to our study if we understand that this all comes in and relates to the family structure. And the first Christian con congregations were built on the family itself. Philemon 2. And the church in thy house, the assembly that is in thy house. Okay? Uh, Acts 11, 14. Okay, thy and all thy house shall be saved. There's a, there's a group of people in the Philippines that believes that when the rapture comes, the whole church building is going to go up. That's what's going to be uh, go up in the rapture, the, that the building. That's true. Very large, very powerful. It's going to save the church. It's going to go up. Acts 16, 15. Okay. Into Lydia uh, went the, uh, the, the men of God and the church began to be established and the assembly came. Acts 16, 31 through 34. With all his house. Acts 18, 8. 
He believed on the Lord with all his house. All right, this was both a fellowship and a gathering place. On Acts 2.46, somebody over here, 2.46, uh, Hamilton, Mark Hamilton. I want Acts 5.42, somebody over on this side, Acts 5.42. People who sit over on the orange side never participate in anything. They just, they just look at me. Okay, Dale, Acts 5.42, Acts 20.20, 20. uh, Randy Woldwin, Acts 20.20. 20. This was both a fellowship and a gathering place, the family structure. In the early church became both a fellowship and their homes became a gathering place. Acts 2.46. Daily in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. Acts 5.42. Daily in the temple and in every house they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Acts 20.20. 20. I've taught you publicly and from house to house. Okay, let's begin to lock our minds in for a moment that the picture that's presented to us in the Bible of the first Christian congregations as God's oikos. Remember that word, God's house. That's what we're studying about. The first picture that the New Testament begins to present to us of the congregations as God's house were built upon the separate houses and families. And it's very important that we understand that and we come to an understanding of that when we begin to understand uh, the stewardship principle or the, uh, the manager or the, the, the uh, overseers of uh, God's house or the responsibility in God's house. So let's lock one thought in then as we pass by that, that to be a steward, in the biblical sense, implies, first of all, the ability to manage our own house in an acceptable manner. Very, very important. The church today has completely missed and brought chaos into God's purpose and plan in that we have the idea that we can function in God's house while we're in violation in our own house. These two are integrally tied together, the one to the other. And the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is no stronger than the composite of the individual families that are in that assembly. The one moves out of the other, and to be a steward, let's come back again to that thought in the biblical sense, implies, first of all, the ability to manage our own house in an acceptable manner. Then we move from that to an understanding that the qualification for office in the larger house is rooted in and in fact requires a success in the smaller. The congregational leader or chairman or the pastor, the episcopus is the Greek word, must know how, the Bible says, to manage his own household to be entrusted with the congregation. Now you're seeing how important what our study is beginning to be this morning. We're talking about God's house, but God's house has relationship to our own house, and the qualifications 
for oversight in God's house has to move out of our own house and this is the ground that qualifies us for service in the larger house. We need several scriptures and then we'll open it for thought. First Timothy 5.8. Somebody right here. Uh, Mona. Uh, Monica. First uh, Timothy 3, 1 through 5. Uh, uh, Heidi and uh, Lee, uh, Lee, would you get for me Titus 1, 5 through 9? And I need First Timothy 3, 12. Uh, did I get all the scriptures I gave before? No. What did I give? Acts 20, 20? Yes, I did. I got them all. 16, 31 through 34? Did I get them? Okay. I'm being falsely accused this morning. First Timothy five eight. If any provide not for his own, especially for those of his own house, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Well, those are really solemn words, aren't those? I mean, they go pow, boy, you know. Uh, we are accused of being too solemn and too stern. And here the Apostle Paul goes, pop. If you don't provide your own house, I wonder why he said that. Anybody have any idea why he would have said that? Why would he have said that, Joyce? Because they were spiritual dingoes that were running off and saying, God called me. They were leaving their house destitute. You ever hear anybody say, oh, God, call me. They get wild-eyed and they on a tangent and uh, you say well you know what what are you going to do for your family I don't know boy God will provide just going to live by faith well it's wonderful to live by faith if God's called you he'll sure provide but you better make sure that he's called you and uh, that moves in with a number of things in relationship it moves out of a of a, of a of a of a body of people who who do have relationship with you and who can recognize and help release your gifts and this is why he wrote that. He said qualifications for this house has to do with this house. Okay. We're getting really down to whether the river Mitchell Road, aren't we? First Timothy 3, 1 through 5. You're going to be an overseer of God's church. If you're going to be a pastor, then he, he says that moves out of the relationship and a proven experience out of your own house. And then he begins to enumerate all these. He's going to be the husband of one wife to begin with. Secondly, he's going to be able to have his own house in subjection and, uh, and able to rule his own house. If he can't do that, how can he take care of God's church? Are you following me? The house of God. Titus 1, 5 through 9. 1 Timothy 5 through 9, he says, uh, uh, he says I, left, uh, uh, I left Titus... Uh, uh, there to uh, to uh, uh, to uh, ordain elders or to set over pastors in every congregation. Then he moves on down. He, he says those same men are, are bishops. Same the word is synonymous. If we as we've learned, uh, pastor, bishop, elders, all the same person. They're synonymous terms. And he says these are the qualifications for this man. It moves out of his home relationship. First Timothy three verse twelve. This not only has to do with pastors, it moves on down into leaders in the congregation uh, that have to do with the, even the physical affairs of the congregation. And he says, let the deacons have also that are going to have responsibility. It's going to have relationship 
to their own house. We're just really running out of time. We got about five minutes, and I can't finish. But let's let's uh, see if we've uh, untied anything that we haven't tied together and left any loose ends right there. Any question right there? We got about five minutes. Uh, Mark Hamilton. Real loud, brother. Uh, essentially, yes. And of course, uh, that we're talking about a growth process. In other words, every believer is a steward, but uh, uh, essentially that's exactly what we're talking about, yes. A person who, uh, who uh, has uh, problems in his own home, who's put in, uh, who, who begins to function in the body also has problems in the body. A person who has relationship problems at home uh, invariably have relationship problems in the body. And so as that moves in, because the oversight of God's congregation isn't something that moves out of a special preparation place, it moves out of the body. We discovered that here, and we understand what God does. He prepares the oversight of the body in the body. He doesn't prepare them off in Los Angeles or Hong Kong, China. He prepares them out of the church. Yes, it, it affects all those things, yes. To degree, and this always has to be has qualifications. In other words, uh, because we're not the perfect epitome of everything that we the ideal is, doesn't mean that we can't witness for God or any of those things. But it has. You'll find in in time that has great impact on what you're doing for God moves right out of the home. Uh, we find that in pastors, we have pastors sometimes that are unproductive, and uh, and. And when that home comes together, boy, I tell you something beautiful happens. Suddenly the church just begins to flower. Where before it was, uh, it was uh, just a stifled and, 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 and uh, something that is very critical that, that our modern generation does not understand moves out of the home, brother. Excellent question. Anybody over here on this side? We've got about two minutes. Amen. This has real uh, insight as it relates to scripture background and uh, those principles are there concerning Joseph and his stewardship in two different spots. Yes. Someone else. We've got about two minutes. God is manifesting himself in the church, the ecclesia. And uh, that has the, that the, the perversion of that is the clergy, laity. And we're, when we, we'll have a real understanding of that when we get to our study on, on the house of God's house. When we get to the people of God, we're going to unfold that whole den of worms and lay it out and take a look at it yes it's a very deep insight yes Bill Kimball right we rule by serving no man has any greater authority than which he has served others and uh, dictatorships topple all over the world every week to prove that's a fact you may get in power but you won't stay <laughs> no sir the only way you ever stay is to serve and so in the kingdom of God, all authority and all power is to serve. Uh, and that's the, the basic understanding of rule. Very good. Someone else, got about one minute. Isn't this a rich study? Okay, I didn't get finished. We had another thought, and we'll, uh, we'll tie on there next week, and then we'll lead it on in our full understanding. The Lord bless you. Our time is up. We appreciate that.